Well, good morning, First Church. Don't you just love Christmas season at First Church of God? You know, I was thinking as uh, the service was going on, and I was thinking about the traditions that are so rich in this church, <clears throat> going all the way back to over 100 years ago, 1909. And I was thinking about how this congregation can live up to this adage, one church for all of life and every season of life. You know, Pastor uh, Jim was mentioning in his introduction that David and I have served here a total of 30 years. And I think back on the people that were, you know, in their 40s and 50s serving this church as committee leaders and just kind of the workhorses of the church. And now I rewind the clock forward to 2022 and these friends are in their 70s and 80s and another generation has come along and maybe two generations have come along serving and we live up to that mantra, one church for all of life and every season of life. If you're like me, you may be among those who say, what do we do with Mary? I'm not alone if I read history sermons across the generations, we find that Christians have struggled with how do we appropriately understand who Mary is and how we can learn from her. Whether the name is Mary or Maria or Mariah or any other variation in different languages, it all points back to Mary. In fact, the open, one of the opening numbers in The Sound of Music is, how do you solve a problem like Maria? I should not have said that. Now that song is stuck in your head for the rest of the day. Maybe I should just sing the sermon. How do you just, no, never mind. But, but you begin to recognize that people all along the way have struggled with what do we do with Mary? Today, I want to lift her up as an example of how our lives can be influenced by her and how in developing holy habits like Mary had, our life and our influence will change throughout the generations. When you think about divine interruptions, who in human history had a greater interruption than Mary? Oh, you open the pages of the scripture and you see Abraham and Moses and Noah and on and on you see the story of people who've had great interruptions but this interruption was the entrance of the Son of God into the world and I want you to learn today with me what it looks like when we begin to live with expectancy. Now our text today is found in Luke chapter 1. And you can open your Bible and keep it open. I'm not going to read this entire passage for you today because it's a lengthy passage, but it's a familiar passage. You know the passage begins in Luke 1, 26, when the angel comes to Mary in what we call the Annunciation. If you've ever traveled to the Holy Land, maybe you've been to, to, to Nazareth and seen the church of the Annunciation. And there, and under the foundation of the church, is what is believed to be the residence or the domicile where Mary, as a young girl, heard the angel speak to her. You begin to recognize that 
this sense of the divine interruption sets apart. For the angel came to her, and then she went and to another woman who was interrupted, and you see that she went to Elizabeth, her cousin, who also was experiencing an unplanned pregnancy, if you will. And together in community, they began to experience what God had in store for the world, to change the world. And then you see what's called the Magnificat, beginning at verse 46, when Mary begins to worship the Lord in such a way that her worship portrays her spirit of expectancy. So let me ask you this question. What among anything else set Mary apart in this world? And I think it is an open heart, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. In fact, I want to praise it in such a way that this may be a living message in your heart when you leave today. What would our lives be like if we lived not with expectations, but with expectancy? Now, for the purpose of this message, let me just simply say our expectations are confining. They're, they're rigid. They are defined. They're predetermined outcomes. It's what we expect will happen. Expectations are not evil. We all have certain expectations. We have expectations when you go to a restaurant that you'll be served, or in commerce that the goods that you purchase will, will be as they're advertised to be. Expectations are the way we raise our, our family and how we get our education. Expectations are all a part of life, but when we live only with expectations, we live in a very transactional world, and we've closed our mind to what God may be trying to do in and through our circumstances. So I ask the question again, what would our life be like if we learn to live not with expectations, but with expectancy. And expectancy portrays a life that is open to the Spirit of God, the direction of God, the leading of God, and that's how Mary teaches us today. If you've been around me very long, you know that I have a habit of bringing the sermon in a sentence, and so here it is, so I won't disappoint you today, and I'd like you to, to see it on the screen. When you develop a habit of expectancy and openness to God's direction, you'll be surprised by the many ways He will make Himself known in you and through you. Now, here's the gospel in that sentence. When we open our lives to the Spirit of Christ, He comes into us. But that's not the end of it. And then He ministers through us. So if it's just into us, it's transactional. Oh, we've, we've gotten our pound of Jesus. We came to church. We heard a message. We, we think we feel better. We have a new perspective. But when we become the light of the world is when Jesus is working through us, not just in us, but through us. And that's what I want to talk with you about today, developing a habit that allows you 
to see the work of God in your life. Now, let's think about what's behind a habit. Most of the time when we think of a habit, you're still saying, I don't know how this connects to Mary or how it connects to me, developing a habit. Well, let me, let me draw you into this a little bit. We usually think of a habit as an activity or an action. You know, you come, you come in the house, you put your car key up, that's an action that has become a habit. Well, actually, for me, it's a habit I'm trying to develop. You see, I, I used to have the habit of keeping this key fob to my car in my, in my pocket. But I noticed around the house that more frequently than I ever wanted it to happen, I was in the workshop, just one example, and uh, when I turned off the power tool, I listened and I said, what's that? Oh, it was the... Uh, it was the alarm on my car going off because I had been leaning forward against the bench and I pushed that button, the panic button. And so my car alarm is going off in the garage. So I, I canceled it. It happened two or three different times over a period of months and I decided I'm just gonna develop the habit of hanging the car key in the laundry room. There's a hook there when I come inside the door from the garage. So. I'll tell you how it's going. I'm doing pretty good with the part of hanging the car key up, but so many times recently, I uh, go out, jump in the car, close the door, fasten the buckle of the seatbelt, the door's up, and I push the button and it says, no key detected. Oh, unbuckle, open the door, go in the house, get the key, you know, so I think maybe the car's just polite. It really should say, no brain detected. You know, but that's what it means when you're trying to develop a habit is that you begin, I feel like a, a dog being trained in some ways by myself, is I'm trying to learn how to, when I go somewhere, stop and pick up the key fob and put it in my pocket. Now, we think of habits as an action or an activity, and our lives are filled with those kinds of things so that we don't have to stop and think too much just going through our daily routine. But there's also, behind the habits that are actions and activities, there's a habitual way of thinking. It's a habitual approach to life. It's a habitual attitude and atmosphere of your brain. And I am saying to you, it takes divine help to change that. But it can be changed. The gospel says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. A new creation, a new way of thinking, a new way of speaking, a new way of acting. It changes our relationships, our speech, our habits, even our thoughts. That's who Jesus Christ is. Can anybody say amen? amen. You see, through the years, I've just seen so many people transformed. Once they were one way, and then they become another way. But I just want to say to you, believer, though you may have walked with Christ for many years, are you still open to his transforming work in your life? Because all of us need it. He's never finished with us as long as we're open to him. So let's look at Mary's habits. 
There are three things that I notice about Mary's life as we look at this through this passage of Scripture, that Mary, first of all, had a habit of hearing and believing the Word of God. As you read about her life in the different Gospels, you will see that she was not a stranger to God's Word. But, but look at what verse 34 says. In verse 34, the angel said to her that you will give birth to a son who will save his people from their sins. And she asks this question, and how will this be since I am a virgin? It's a pretty good logistical question. And all of us are the same way. God says, I want to do a work in your life. And we begin to ask him all the logistical questions. Hey, I've spent my life as a pastor. Lord says, I want to, I want to uh, send you in a new assignment and you're like, but Lord, we have a house to sell. We have kids to educate. We have all these commitments. How, 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 how? And he's saying, trust me. I'll go before you. We always jump to the logistical questions. Mary did not say, tell me more about this Savior who will sit on the throne of his father, David. Tell me more about the one whose kingdom will never end. No, she just jumped to the very practical question. How can this ever happen? because I'm an unmarried virgin. But then the angel gave her the answer, a technical answer in a way. The power of God will come over you, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and you will conceive. I don't think she understood that. Who would? But then he said in verse 37, these words, for nothing will be impossible with God. Would you say that out loud with me, please, in good voice? For nothing will be impossible with God. Friends, our entire existence as Christians is hinged on what sounds impossible. It sounds impossible, Noah's story and the flood. It sounds impossible, the crossing of the Red Sea. It sounds impossible, the birth of Jesus, born of a virgin. It sounds impossible, our Savior, bruised and battered and beaten and executed, put into a grave, who rose again. It sounds impossible that the Holy Spirit of God came in the day of Pentecost and populated the people of the church, and the church spread throughout all of the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. It sounds impossible, but say that verse one more time, for nothing will be impossible with God. That's why we call it faith, and that's why we live by faith. And so what happened next? Mary showed a habit of being with God's people. When the angel gave this great annunciation to her, in verse 38, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be according to your word. And then the angel left her. She simply said the greatest prayer that any of us can ever pray in our entire lifetime, we can say, Lord, I am your servant. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be who you want me to be. I am yours, Lord. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee, as the old hymn used to say. And so Mary prayed that prayer. She said, I give you my life. May it be. And then the next thing she did, when she gave her life to the Lord 
For his purposes, she sought out community. That's the second habit. She sought community. She went to the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth saw her coming, and the Scripture says, and the Holy Spirit came upon Elizabeth, and Elizabeth cried out, Blessed am I for the mother of my Lord to come to me. She was by the Holy Spirit given the knowledge that this is the mother of the Messiah coming. Wow, such an amazing supernatural story. But don't miss the fact that a crisis pregnancy such as Mary's, where she was fearful of the scorn and the rejection of her family and her community and her fiancé, she fled to the home of her believing cousins, Zachariah and Elizabeth, and found herself immersed in community. In community. We all were made for community. I'm so thankful that we can connect through the radio, can connect through online services, but connection is not community. We need community. I'll talk more about that in, a little later in this message. So the third thing that we saw as the habit in her life is that she was open to God's interruptions. Instead of a prayer of lament, look at verses 46 through 50, Mary's prayer. They're on the screen here. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of this servant, and behold, from now on, generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him, from generation to generation. This is God's word for us today, that rather than lamenting her, her circumstance, she was praising the Lord. You know, it's been my privilege in ministry to be with people who have been in dire circumstances, difficult medical diagnosis, and uh, fearful times, and have chosen, hey, these are the, they humble me as a pastor, I go in to sit at their hospital bed, sit next to them, and they're praising God. They're praising God and saying, I believe the Lord is with me. There is no fear in my life. He has given me peace that passes understanding. And I, I go out in my car with tears streaming down my face, and I say, it's real. This Jesus is real. This Jesus that I serve, he is the one who changes these hearts of people who trust in him, even when the circumstances are grim, even when despair seems a constant companion, even when grief hovers over us and feels so, so strangling, it's real that he gives us this peace that passes understanding. And Mary worshiped in the midst of her pain. So what do we learn from Mary? Well, we learn that the habit of expectancy needs to be developed. It doesn't come to us naturally. We're not born with expectancy. Oh, we're born with expectations. Ask any mother 
I got to meet a new, a new member of the church family who's a month old out in the lobby. Ask any mother if that little infant has expectations. Well, he lets you know through a pretty loud cry when he's hungry or when he's wet, you know. So he has expectations. We're born with expectations, but this habit of expectancy. Some people... I'll just say, and you know who I'm talking about, they just have a habit of seeing the worst in every situation. But there are other people who have a habit of seeing with optimism and grace. I was telling Renee the other day, you know, in 45 years of ministry, how much have we struggled through the years with the people who are members of the the 3C club? They're negative people. The 3C club, here's their language. Criticize, condemn, and complain. Do you know anybody like that? I had somebody say to me in the lobby, I, I just want you to know I'm discontinuing my membership in the 3C club. That was their commitment for the day is I'm going to leave the club and no longer will I speak words of criticism, condemnation, and complaining. I believe in the more-so theory. Do you know what the more-so theory is? If you are a crotchety complainer when you're young, you'll be worse as you get older. <laughs> but if you are a positive, blessing, and encouraging person as you are young, it is much more likely that you will be more so as the years go by. And so let's all cancel our membership in the 3C club. Our culture today is affected so much by it. Everywhere you go, the negativity is so rampant, and I see it making its way into the church. I was telling Renee, you know, we were children of the 60s, and in the 1960s, I can remember how much my grandparents, my parents were wringing their hands saying, this country is just going down the tubes. And I, I began to realize it's true in every generation we feel that way. But you see, we're the people of hope. We're the people who speak of revival. We're the people who are to be the light in the darkness, and sometimes I'm afraid that the world is affecting the church more than the church is affecting the world. Can anybody say amen? You see, every one of us needs to make a commitment in our lives that we are going to be people of hope. Speaking of the power of Jesus Christ to bring revival, there have been in the history of America great revivals that have changed our culture for the positive. Oh, how we need it again. Amen? So let us, instead of complaining and criticizing and condemning, let us fall to our knees and pray for great revival in our own lives as well as in the land. That's a little mini-sermon for free. (laughs) So now I want to give you a handle Maybe this little handle will help you when you think about the person you want to be. This handle is that you use this little phrase either as a statement or a question. This is who I am is the statement. Or maybe the question, is this who I am? So you see, when you are, I'm going to take it to the real low level. When you are in the parking lot at Meijer or or at Walmart and you 
walk over and you push the cart back into the rack, you should be saying, this is who I am. And when you're walking towards the store and somebody has thrown out a paper bag of McDonald's stuff is strewn all around and you pick it up and on your way in you put it in the trash, you say, this is who I am. You see, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and I'm here on temporary assignment and this is who I am. And when you're just ready to speak those words of criticism, condemnation, and complaining, the question should be in your mind, is this who I am? Is this how I want to be remembered? I have a little post-it note on the hutch above my computer in my study that has this little statement. Your legacy is not written after you're gone. It's written every day of your life. And so we choose the kind of people that we are, the kind of people we want to be, and we know that we need divine power to help us to be the people of God. So you develop this habit of expectancy and develop a habit of faith. Just that simple verse, for with God nothing is impossible. And what will our life look like? I'm going to wrap up the message by just giving some practical application to what our life will look like when we begin to mirror the life of expectancy that we see in the habits of Mary. First, you will intentionally seek to hear from God. That will become increasingly important in your life. I joined the pastor's study time on Monday, and that was one of the things we talked about was hearing from God and Pastor Jaime got very animated and he held up his Bible and he said, people say to me all the time, I want to hear from God. And I say to them, read the Bible. He'll shout to you from every page. If you want to hear from God, open his word. This is it, God's message to us. That was really an exciting moment in our study time. You think of pastor study time as boring. That was pretty animated. I love Pastor Jaime. But the second thing is we can hear from God in our listening prayers. I'm trying to work on that habit in my own life, developing the discipline of listening. Sometimes I wonder if the Lord doesn't say, Son, stop talking. Be still and know that I am God and listen for my voice. We can, we can fall out of the habit of listening, and I'm redeveloping that habit in my life of a few moments at the beginning of every day to just listen for the Lord. A second thing that will happen in our lives when we have a habit of expectancy is we will want to be with God's people. We'll want to be in community, in worship. We'll recognize that there's a difference between watching it on a screen or listening to it on the radio, and being present with other people who are in the presence of worship. And something happens to us when we move from connection to community. You see, our world of technology has made connection very possible. We can be connected. But this, what we're experiencing here, is community. 
And then we take it to the next level. We join a table group or a small group or a Sunday school class or some fellowship where there are a smaller group of believers where we pray for each other, encourage each other, we bear each other's burdens. We basically do life together. That's a habit that will develop when you have a heart of expectancy. And the third is, you will intentionally open your heart to divine interruption. Oh, we're all so goal-driven and calendar-driven. We're afraid somebody's going to make us late for our next appointment. But if we would stop and we would ask someone, how are you really? It would no longer seem like an interruption of your time, but it would seem like the connection of a spirit. You see, what happens is we would become less annoyed with people. When those things happen that are unexpected and we think of them as interruptions, we think of God wants us to see them as opportunities. We become less annoyed. We see more of the miracles of God happening around us, and we see our own role changing. We see ourselves as a different person. We see ourselves as a citizen of heaven, here on temporary assignment. We only pass this way one time, and the years are fleeting and brief. They are fleeting and brief. We were watching something on TV last night, and we turned off the, uh, the app, and it went back to the TV, and uh, Frosty the Snowman was on, and Renee looked at me, and she says, turn it off. I'm just missing that time in my life when my kids were little. Turn it off. Life is fleeting. It's passing so quickly. If we see ourselves as citizens of heaven here on temporary assignment, living with a heart of expectancy, we will know that God uses us for his purposes. So this is not just a story of the New Testament of Mary's opportunity to serve God but what we really see here is the model that would change all of our lives if we would develop the habit of expectancy instead of expectations. So I close this message right where we began by looking at the sermon in a sentence. And I'm going to ask you to read this aloud with me in strong voice. Will you do so, please? When you develop a habit of expectancy and openness to God's direction, you will be surprised by the many ways he will make himself known in you and through you. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, that really is our prayer today, that you would make yourself known in us and through us. I pray, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit will come flooding in because we open the gates, putting aside our expectations and just say, Lord, with expectancy, I want to be open to what you have for the rest of my life. Lord, there may be those who are unbelievers who are saying, I want that life where I know that God is working in me. There may be some who have been believers for many years but have lost their sense of expectancy. I pray that your spirit will reopen those, those rusty hinges and the 
and the rusty gates that they may reopen to a fresh infilling of the spirit to live in expectancy and to watch for the opportunities to be your people as we depart we pray it all in jesus name and together we say 